Welcome to City Speak. I'm your host, Clarence Anthony, and I'm thrilled to kick off our next episode, which is all about an important issue that America is facing, and that is voting rights. And what this conversation is going to be about is what is the role of local leaders in this space to make sure that I feel that people know that America wants them to vote? Where can they vote? What is on the ballot? And a little bit about our democratic process and the right to vote. And today, I have to tell you, I have two, I would say, prominent guests who I have gotten to know over the years and admire and appreciate. First, we have Mayor Sylvester Turner from the great city of Houston, where we are taping uh, this episode. Good afternoon, Mayor. Good afternoon, and welcome to Houston, Clarence. Mayor Hope, welcome to the city of Houston. And now he has spoiled it for me, y'all. He has introduced my (laughs) second guest, who is a good friend of mine, but also what a tremendous uh, leader. And um, just watching Mayor Hope's uh, social media, the way in which he supports his community, the tattoo you got, or, Just for the record, I didn't really get a tattoo. It but. was not a tattoo. <laughs> no, it, it was, was a fake. Joke. It's oh, fake. Come Look. on, man. Oh, man, I thought you got that tattoo. <laughs> man, I was so impressed. But that shows your commitment. Clearly, I fooled you that I'm that committed. That I. This is a total reference. You'll have to go to my Instagram or Twitter or something to know what we're talking about. But I... I we had a festival coming up, and I appeared to be getting a tattoo with the logo of that festival on my arm. But... Uh, the Plaza District, uh, uh, area Plaza of Oklahoma City. District. Yeah, but I think that's great. That's flattering that you believe I would be that committed to my city that I would have done something so dumb. As well, to- you persuaded <laughs> me because I was about to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's what local leadership is all about. And earlier today, we are at a national convening, a conversation on voting rights, a nonpartisan conversation on voting rights. And our two leaders here are the co-host of this conversation is really uh, co-hosted by five mayors, including Mayor Turner, Mayor Holt, Mayor Romero, Mayor Giles, and of course, Mayor Aquanetta Warren. And finally, who really came up with this concept is Mayor Hancock from Denver. And I want to just talk to you guys a little bit about that. But let me tell you all who we have. A lifelong resident of Houston was elected mayor in December 2015 and was overwhelmingly reelected in 2019. Known for a lot of things, past president of African American Mayors Association, oversaw the recovery from Hurricane Harvey, uh, launched the first city's climate action plan. He's not new to politics. Before coming mayor, he served in the Texas State House of Representatives for 30 years. So welcome, Mayor Turner. Thanks, Clarence. Good to be with you, man. Pleasure to have you. And the one thing that these two mayors have in common, they both have uh, served at at the state level and now uh, at the local level where the real stuff uh, occurs. We've been working our way up. Yes. Uh, Born and raised in Oklahoma City and was elected mayor in 2018 with 78.5% of the vote the largest uh, percentage achieved by a non-incumbent since 1947. In 2022, re-elected with more than any candidate 
for mayor since 1959. Back when the mayor was elected, he was considered the youngest mayor in the U.S. with the population over 500,000. He's an amazing leader. He's done upgrades to the park, new youth and senior centers, and invested in the city's innovation district and even more. Uh, the other special thing is he served as a chief of staff to a previous mayor. So we have two outstanding mayors. They got a lot in common. And then a little bit that you may be surprised or not that they are a little different. One of the things about this conversation this week, this is about nonpartisan conversation. Mayor Holt is a leader, happens to be a Republican registered, and Mayor Turner is a Democrat, happens to be registered as a Democrat, but both have the same commitment to great public policy engagement committed to their community. And I've watched both of you. So let's start with the basic question. What did each of you respectively decide? Why did you decide that this was an important issue that you wanted to lead on? And that was the issue of voting rights, access, and, and the fact that you're co-hosting this nonpartisan conversation on voting rights. Mayor Turner, why don't you start? Well, number one, Clarence, thank you for having me. And again, it is good to be with Mayor Holt uh, today. I would simply say that uh, democracy, as we've said throughout this conference, democracy is everybody's business. We all got in our respective positions with people voting for us. And quite frankly, uh, voter registration is, is, should not be a partisan issue. Everybody who's eligible to vote in this country, they ought to be able to register. Uh, the right to vote should be a very nonpartisan issue. And, and irrespective of who you intend to vote for, the infrastructure ought to be there. So you can vote if you want to vote, then you vote for whomever you want to vote for. And then how you tabulate those ballots uh, should be nonpartisan. We all want it to be accurate. If you're getting um, the Emmys, for example, you want to make sure that the votes are tallied right. Same thing with voting. And uh, so I think it's, it's a part of civic engagement. Uh, infrastructure for our cities is critically important. Well, the infrastructure to participate in the electoral process is very much important. And again, it is everybody's business from a state representative to the mayor to make sure we get it right. Well, I mean, first of all, thanks for, for having us on, on your new podcast. And uh, we're, we're excited to be, I believe, the guests on your third show. And thank you for your leadership and your very kind introductions of us. And Mayor Turner, thank you for having us here in Houston. Well, I guess the first answer, I mean, to why I helped co-host this is that Mayor Turner and Mayor Hancock asked me. And I, they're very difficult to say no to. But it's, a, it's an issue I've actually been passionate about for a long time. And if you, if you go back in my history, and you alluded to this, I was a state senator at one time. And um, in 2014, when I was still in the Senate, Oklahoma held its gubernatorial election. And less than 40% of people that were registered voted. But then if you calculated it based on who was truly eligible to register and vote, because actually a third of Oklahomans aren't even registered, and that's probably true in a lot of places, it was below 30%. And I just thought, you know, this is, this is not how you sustain this, this 240-year-old experiment. <laughs> if, only, if only 30% of people that are eligible to vote are, are participating and choosing our leaders. And so I, that year, as a senator, introduced this whole slate of, of bills to try and um, encourage more participation. And 
you know, I had all male voting, M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. <laughs> we already tried that. That didn't work. <laughs> um, M-A-I-L voting. I had things like a top two primary like they have in places like California and Louisiana. I had things like online registration. And, you know, very few of them got through, but a couple did. And the point was that I felt like I was pushing the conversation towards uh, access, figuring out ways to make it more convenient and easy to vote, not not by sacrificing security, in my view, but what I think we've all seen now. So that's a little bit of my history. Now, you know, flash forward eight years later, and now we're in this environment where people, uh, all the policy momentum seems to be at the, at the di- in the different states to, to, to tighten up voting and make it harder to vote, you know. And look, 99% of Americans are for some sort of rules. Like, you know, we don't just like walk up to just any table in our city and just, just say, I'm so-and-so, let me vote. You know, I mean, we, we, we keep lists. We, we have certain expectations. And, and again, 99% of people are for something. Obviously, we begin to differ as you get into, well, what are the rules? What are the, the specific details? But anytime you're going to have rules, there has to be a justification. And the only justification generally is just security, that, that each person is casting one vote on that day and that they're eligible to do so. And your, your risk analysis is based on what people are actually capable of or likely to do. Well, all of this policymaking that I think we're reacting to a little bit at this conference is all based on a lie, <laughs> right? Like that there is some sort of conspiracy of widespread voter fraud in America has never been documented or proven. And, and so, you know, when you're putting in rules based on an honest and proven and evidence-based uh, fear, uh, you know, concern, then those, are, then those are justifiable rules. If you're putting rules in to make somebody feel better, basically, who lost an election a couple years ago, that's a colossal waste of everybody's time. But more importantly, it's continuing to push that voter participation down and we should be pushing it up, you know, it was already bad enough before all of this. So that's what kind of my passion for this comes from. And, uh, and obviously, I mean, people have died in this country for the right to vote. Um, and I, and, and that's universal. I mean, usually when you say something like that, you're thinking about the civil rights movement or you're thinking about suffrage, but people also die have died on foreign shores to keep, you know, to keep all of us, uh, in, in a democracy. And so, we we got to take this seriously. We have one of the most enduring democracies in the history of the world, and it just feels like on so many levels we're squandering it. But I feel like at this conference, at this summit in Houston, you're you're in a room of people who 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 see it for what it is and understand the urgency and are trying to to create some momentum to push back against this nonsense. You listening to you, uh, you reflect the passion of most local leaders. And I think that part of this conference here, Mayor Turner, started in Denver, now it's here, hosted by yourself, is to try to figure out what is the role of local leaders in terms of continuing to build confidence in this democratic process that we call an election. And to have a vision around everybody wants me to vote. They're okay with me voting. Why don't we talk a little bit about what can local leaders do uh, in this kind of process of, of democracy? 
We have to find ways of working through the noise. And as I listened to Mayor Holt, you know I agreed with every single thing he had to say. And one and another thing that I found uh, since I've been mayor is that mayors, um, we are very result-oriented. We have to get come. We have to come up with results. And when you are mayor of a city, uh, there is no Democratic pothole or Republican pothole. And when it rains, it just doesn't rain on Republican communities and bypasses Democratic communities. We have to fix the problems. We have to get things done, and we can't get caught up on somebody else's agenda. Okay. People come and they can come see us every single day. They can meet us in the grocery stores. They can meet us in the barber shops. So we have to be responsive to their actual to their actual needs. And so, as I listen to Mayor Holt, being the mayor of Oklahoma City, the same statements that he made, I can make right here in the city of Houston. And quite frankly, not only can make the same take the same position right here in the city of Houston. And so, and I think that's the way we move forward on the local level. On the local level, we have to find ways to move the needle, and hopefully, it will resonate on the higher level. But locally, we have to meet people where they are. We have to build on that relationship, and we have to dismiss the the lie. We have to say, "Hold it! No, 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 no! That's not true." And this is, this is what's happening. These are the facts. Uh, because we're out there in front of them every single day. And I think that's a part of the responsibility of local leaders. We can't run away from these issues. We have to address them. But we have to do it in such a, in such a way that we take some of this agenda stuff out of it and just, and just let people know what the facts are and say, hey, this is what it is and this is what it's not. If somebody had stolen the presidential election for real, Sylvester and I would be at the front of the line <laughs> to, to address that injustice, you know, because that's not how we want to see this country run. But, uh, but the reality is that didn't happen, and, and nor have any other elections been stolen in American life that I'm aware of, and I'm ready and willing to examine any evidence. But we have had all of that uh, all of that adjudicated over the course of the past two years, and nothing has come to light. So I think what the role we play in pushing back on this is is, is mostly advocacy. You know, I, I don't know if this is universally true, but our cities don't run the elections, um, and that's probably going to be mostly true. It's generally does that type of thing is probably determined at a, at a state level. But, you know, we mayors have a lot of moral authority in our communities because uh, a lot of us have got a pretty good track record of, of – telling the truth and, uh, and being pragmatic and, and reasonable and using common sense in a way that almost no other elected officials <laughs> at any other level of government are doing that these days. So I think, you know, I, we can't pick every battle. I'm sure Sylvester has to say no some days, you know, that I hear what you're saying, you know, you probably find yourselves telling people, but I, I just, you know, I can't get involved in that. I got, I only got so, so much bandwidth, but I think this is one that, uh, Obviously, the, the participants in this summit feel was, was worth spending a little capital on. And we, and we engage in a lot of community engagement. Now, that is something that we do all the time is community engagement, civic engagement. So we're actually talking to, talking to the people. Our cities don't run without employees. 
Our employees come from the communities that we serve. Um, if you undermine the democratic process, cities are, we are affected. Okay, when people start losing hope in the electoral process, our cities are impacted. Like Mayor Holt, city of Houston, we don't run the election. Okay, the county does, and then overseen by the state. But you know, our employees come from the communities, and we want them to participate in the, in the process. So we can't ignore what's happening around us because it does affect us in a in a very direct fashion. But the good news for me. Just like uh, we've seen the film with um, LBJ from Texas, Democrat, voted for the, you know, pushed through the Voter Rights Act. George Bush, Republican, you know, was the last president to reauthorize it. They worked hand in hand. Congressman John Lewis, Democrat, Senator Lisa Murkowski, Republican, talking about the importance of it. At this conference, now you have three Republican mayors three Democratic mayors saying, look, we're all on the same page and we want to uh, reassure people uh, about our democracy and that we all have a role to play and that we can, we can protect people's voter rights and we can do it in a nonpartisan fashion. This conversation, thank you all very much. I mean, it's, it's, it's true that if you want something done to mayors and, and they'll solve the problem. This week, in this conversation and convening, one of the things we want to do is to come out of here with some recommendations, some best practices, things that you're doing in Houston that Mayor uh, Holt can go back uh, to Oklahoma City and claim he came up with the idea. You know how mayors steal from each each other. And NLC uh, created this uh, toolkit uh, playbook called Democracies Thrive When Cities Vote. What would you want to see in that toolkit as an example of what you guys have seen that you think we need to have in there that work, that encourages people to vote and make them feel like they're wanted in the voting uh, booth? Because right now we hear a lot of legislation from all over America. I think it's over 30 states have legislation to create barriers for people uh, to vote, almost 500 pieces of legislation being developed. That doesn't make me feel like you want me to vote. So they don't want me to vote. I hear it all. You can hear it in my head as a kid uh, around the kitchen table. They don't want me to vote anyway. They don't want me to vote. I ain't going to vote. It ain't going to make a difference, right? So what is a tool that we can put in this document that you think would encourage people to want to vote? America Holt. Well, so much of this, and as I said earlier, so much of this current policy is based on the idea that something needs to be addressed from a security standpoint. And we now we know, based on actual history and science and, and data, that there is no major security issue. What we also know with equal certainty is that there is a major issue with voter apathy, and there's so many contributing factors to that. But so whether it's right for your, uh, you know, don't feel like you got to put this in your, your tool book, but uh, your toolbox. But, you know, for me, my mind is always racing on how you, you know, make this, this process uh, simpler, easier, and also more representative. And we haven't really gotten into that. But I mean, one of the issues with, I think, American democracy today is that it feels like we're living in the tor- tyranny of the minority. So I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, you, you don't always have processes that, that truly lead to outcomes that represent the majority will. 
So when I look at like, you know, you take Oklahoma as just an example. I mean, we vote three times to fill one office other than mayor because you're going to go to a primary. Then you might go to the runoff and then finally the general election. And then uh, what is basically a one party state, the actually primary runoff will have the highest stakes and the least participation. (laughs) So for me, you know, I'm always thinking of how do you how do you simplify this? To where more people would come out and not feel kind of just overwhelmed by the fact that they got to put three dates on their calendar and, uh, you know, to fill these offices. So I think the things that are happening around the country, like ranked choice voting, are a very interesting uh, example that I hope more places will emulate. But at the very least, you need election systems where all the voters uh, see all the candidates and all the candidates have to face all the voters. This, this checks two boxes. It generally reduces your elections from at least three to two, even without ranked choice voting. And it's a top two type system. And it's the way a lot of mayors are elected, including me. Uh, and then it also, not, so, so you're reducing your elections, thereby probably creating just a, a, more con, a higher level of convenience that brings people out better. And, and everyone knows they can vote, which is a whole other thing. In primaries and runoffs, you know, it's very confusing. Is today a day I can actually have anything to vote on? It becomes very selective. Uh, but the other thing is you le- you yield outcomes that more better that better represent the majority will, you know, and closed partisan primaries, which very few mayors and council members run through. Some do, but most don't. Most of us go through uh, some sort of top two type format or in many cases, nonpartisan. They're just better represent representations of the public. And, and you don't get having to choose between two extremist candidates at the end of the process. You often have people that, that tilt more towards the middle who have built coalitions of, you know, uh, reasonable Democrats and Republicans. And that's certainly how I got elected. Um, you, you mentioned my totals before, 78, 60%. You know, when was the last time a president got 60%? I, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's, it's certainly not in my lifetime, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's because we've, we've got systems that, uh, really inspire division uh, more than unity. Um, but uh, at the mayoral level, it's one of the reasons I think that mayors actually are good at their uh, good at their jobs, good at effective and, and uniting and pragmatic is that they run in a different type of electoral system. So whether that's the right fit for your toolbox, again, I'm not to presume, but, but I think that uh, you, if you can take American electoral systems and make them look more like the ways that mayors and council members get elected, You'll be you'll be pleased on many levels, both from a participatory standpoint and from just a, a representation standpoint. That you'll have you'll elect people that are better able to get things done. I agree with that, but I would simply just add, and that would be the um, maybe the education piece. You know, even though we don't run, for example, the election process, uh, we simply we can inc- add to the education. Help uh, the, the voters know who's who's out there, who's on the ballot. Uh, the civic engagement piece, uh, we can do that. Uh, when you have, when, you know, we all have thousands of employees that are working for us. Encourage their participation in the electoral process. And we have people working for us from all walks of life, a lot of diversity. Um, encourage them to get a, be a part of the electoral process. And then help them to train them. You know, we certainly we certainly can do that. You know, people are paying water bills and we're sending out notices. You know, uh, we certainly can look at providing, you know, maybe some uh, announcements or, you know, in, in like your water bill that, you know, hey, election time is coming or, you know, please make sure that you register. Uh, these are the election dates. 
this is how you can, you know, do it. And then uh, maybe that can get people's attention. So kind of just using our hands-on apparatus, not to uh, tell people who to vote for, but simply to help to encourage that civic engagement and help to educate them. I think if we do that, um, that, that, that would um, further enhance people to participate. And then sometimes just put in the notices kind of debunking what's the, the, the lie. You know, saying this is not facts you need to know. You know, true, false, putting that out there, and maybe that would help to kind of restore some integrity in the process uh, and let them know, you know, we are carefully watching the, the process, what's occurring. These are the facts. By the way, I want to piggyback on this. You know, the marketing of elections, uh, this issue that he just identified is so critical. Everybody generally knows when the presidential election is or the governor's election. Uh, whether they participate or not is a different matter, but I kind of feel like every every functioning adult knows that they're happening. But everything else, you know, you, you'll, you'll have four or five elections a year in, in a community like ours. The, the only people incentivized to publicize those elections are the candidates um, or the media. The problem with that is the candidates only, you know, they only have finite resources, so they only communicate to people who have a record of voting. We've all been candidates at this table. <laughs> we don't bother, we don't waste money mailing letters to people that don't vote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's just like a self-fulfilling thing, you know. We're only, you know, you could this is what's so fascinating to me about American politics. You could have two houses next door to each other. One has a history of voting, one doesn't. This house that has a history of voting is absolutely sick of hearing about the election. Like their phone's been ringing off the hook. Their mailbox is full every time they walk, they, they come home. They got candidates knocking on their door every day. And his next door neighbor doesn't have a clue that the election's going on. Nobody's taught, nobody's we calling him. Past them. <laughs> we don't call. We past him. So guess what's going to happen? You know, it's definitely not going to change the, the dynamic. And then the, the, the and so, so, so. Non-voters are just completely left out of the process. And then the media would be maybe where you catch them, but people just don't, you know, uh, digest the media like they used to. It's not the same thing anymore. And the media is barely going to cover politics beyond the big high profile governor's race, president's race. You know, they're not going to be doing a nightly report on the school board race. Right. So what he's talking about, trying to use the mechanisms of government to in a nonpartisan neutral way, just get the word out that there's an election happening. Is definitely something that probably should be talked about more um, at every level of government. And we have never felt as a society that that's most states have not felt like that's a, re a responsible use of tax dollars. But I think we probably should reconsider that and, and spend spend money, tax dollars, just marketing the fact that there's an election and maybe who the candidates are or something. But otherwise, you know, it just seems like it just keeps getting lower. The participation just goes lower and lower every year. Because you're just, as a candidate, you're talking to a smaller and smaller audience, and so, so too is the media. Well, you know, if anyone saw a picture of the three of us, they would clearly recognize that Mayor Turner and I are a little bit younger than you are. Your hair will come in eventually. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Baby face, that's what they call me. <laughs> you know, it makes me think about the a population that is uh, here at our conference at this convening, and that's the young people who are in a lot of ways demanding certain things from public leaders. 
And you are, Mayor Holt, uh, really using social media to get your messages out and, and Mayor Turner as well. How do we reach that group? How do we address the next gen group uh, to be able to help us to talk about democracy, uh, civility, voting? What role do they play in encouraging people to vote? Well, you know, I'm around a lot of campaigns. So are you, Mayor Turner? Unfortunately, the, one of the first things that, you know, your consultants are going to tell you is don't waste too much time with the young people because, you know, here's the, here's the last election and the one before that and the one before that and the one before that. And their slice of the pie is so small that, that it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. And, uh, and that is deeply unfortunate um, because the people who are voting um, aren't going to be here forever. Uh, so are they going to be replaced by these? Are these young people eventually going to take up the practice? And also, I mean, in, even in the near term, it's like, you know, should the decisions should be made by a representative uh, group of voters that not just, not just so skewed disproportionately towards one demographic. So I don't have the answers. I, I just think, I think one of the things that I, I get a lot from, from younger voters or younger people are maybe some unreasonable expectations. And so I, I think one thing I try to do is, is try to help them understand what government can and can't do. And so I think a lot of young, if there were, you think I'm young because I'm younger than you, but I'm really 43. I'm so I don't think a young person thinks I'm young. And uh, he's young. <laughs> he's young. <laughs> I think a young person at this table would say, "Well, I don't vote because nothing ever changes, and no matter what we do, you know, we 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 got out there and we elected Obama, and it's still the same old, you know, still the same old crap, you know." And 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 I think part of that is that somebody told him that that change should be easy and it just takes a tweet and it's going to happen overnight and you know none of those things are true and so some of the responsibility i take on in social media is also to tell people what they need to hear which is not always what they want to hear and and some of that is like hey you know i give a lot of speeches and i i use the example of patience and persistence in almost every single one because i'm trying to condition people especially young people to have productive advocacy and productive expectations about the pace of change and what government can accomplish so that so that then I think I think the, the the foundation I'm trying to lay is that they'll vote because they do see like the progress being made instead of being so frustrated by the pace of progress that they don't vote at all. Um, I want them to vote. And I think one element towards that is helping them understand the system and the, and the realities of it. Uh, we built a system 240 years ago that is constructed intentionally to be deliberative, slow inclusive in a sense i mean you know in the sense that like it's 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 got all these mechanisms in place that they get all this feedback from everybody it's not meant to move fast i mean a dictatorship would move faster <laughs> but that's a terrible form of government and uh and so for many other reasons and so you know i think i think people just have to understand that i don't know what the quote was is it churchill he said like democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others yeah <laughs> Well, that's basically it. That's a great statement. That basically sums it up. And uh, so anyways, I think that, that one way we get young people uh, engaged in this process is to just better educate them about the realities of it and get them acclimated to functioning in a democracy, which is also a hedge against a lot of this auto autocratic desire that you see at both ends of the extremes right now because they're sick kind of, of persuading people in the pace of things. They just want it to happen. And, and I, that's one fear I have is that people at both ends of the ideological spectrum are, are slipping towards that desire. And we've got to we got to educate them back towards the fundamental reasons that we want this form of government to, pres to be preserved. 
you know, over time, it seemed like the uh, educational and civic structure have changed. You know, years ago, you know, and I'm far older than us, I mean, I hope, uh, but in school you did have social studies and all of that. Don't have as much as that in, anymore. So our, our, our kids are not getting that. Um, maybe some things even have even changed on the college campus too. So things from a civic point of view and an educational point of view, I think things have changed. You know, I agree with Mayor Holt when we were running these campaigns, and, and I've run several, and the consultants um, come and they say, you know, this is how uh, we should be spending the money to get the best return. And they, they, they don't put that young category on the high list. They do play seniors on the high list. So, you know, it's, it is about uh, constant reaching out uh, to them, using all of our uh, groups uh, to reach them, uh, that peer-to-peer support. In this conference, we've had uh, spent a lot of time discussing how to engage, motivate uh, Cities United, uh, a lot of youth that are uh, actively engaged. They're doing some awesome work in that in that space. So I think we have to constantly try to find innovative ways of reaching out. And there are some tremendous young leaders that are out there uh, who are in, you know, it's like in the pipeline now and others who are emerging. So we have to, we have to provide space for them. We have to welcome them. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, you, you look back and see how did we get started? You know, what, what motivated what motivated us to get involved in this politics? And for me, it was, it was simply the sense that uh, uh, I had a brother who needed some um, behavioral mental health care and a mom that was taking care of nine kids by herself who went to the doctor and I would ride along on the bus, you know, with her to take him and uh, she, she uh, get to the hospital and didn't have a lot of money, and they would just give her some medication. Told her bring, and they would tell her, bring him back when he became a danger to himself or somebody else. And I just said to myself, as a high school student, damn, that's, that's piss poor. And, uh, and said, you know, riding back on the bus, just sitting on the seats. I just said, this, this hell will be poor. And, uh, but literally, it pissed me off. And so I said to myself in high school, if I ever get the chance to change it, I'm going to get in it. You know, go off to law school, come back. And then I heard that um, uh, this county commissioner seat was open and they had a lot to do with mental health services and decided to run. I didn't win, but that was the motivating influence. And then when it came to state rep, that was another. They have something to do with providing funding for mental health. And I ran and won. That's what, that's what brought me in. So in many cases, you know, young, old, in between, you have to recognize the need or you have to decide what's important to you and how do you want to effectuate that change and then go. And, and that's what I did. I just, I ran. And, and I would tell you, ran the first time and got my butt whipped. <laughs> there were seven people running. I was number six, not too far from being number seven. <laughs> and, uh, but that's what, that's what motivated me to get at it. So, you know, what, what can we do to help motivate 
you know, that younger generation to come in. Uh, I think we just have to keep talking about the issues and letting them know that there's room and inviting them to participate. But at some point in time, um, if an issue or something resonates with you, then you just have to stand, raise your hand up and volunteer and come forward. Otherwise, you're going to get what people give you. Well, I can tell you uh, what you have shared, both of you have shared with uh, our listeners today is the reason why voting is important. Uh, It's about knowing that you can make and have an impact on your community, knowing that there are opportunities and not just barriers to you voting. And one of the things that uh, about this convening, it has representatives from all walks of life. Uh, the disabled uh, community, the youth are here, LGBTQ+, Republicans, Democrats, uh, mature uh, residents from all over America. And I know that every one of the participants here are committed to finding ways to educate, engage, and provide access uh, to every resident uh, in America. And I'd like to thank both of you for taking your time out uh, to have this conversation. Because as many mayors say all the time, there's no Republican garbage trucks. There's no Democratic potholes. Uh, there's just a great community that's waiting for great leaders to be able to vote for. So thank you all very much for being on Cities Speak with Clarence Anthony. And this week is going to be an amazing opportunity to hear from the residents all over America. Thank you, Clarence. Thanks, Clarence. And thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Cities Speak with Clarence Anthony. If you like the show, let us know. Share this episode with your friends and make sure to subscribe. We're curious to hear what you think, what you want more of, and how we can improve. If you have feedback or an idea for a guest you'd like Clarence to sit down with, send us your thoughts at citiespeakpodcast at nlc.org. Join us next month for a new episode. Like and subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.